Hello and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.iamwomanproject.com.au. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at I Am Woman Project and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have the empowering Kate Morris. Kate Morris is the founder and CEO of Adore Beauty, Australia's leading online shopping destination for beauty products and cosmetics. At the age of 21, Kate Morris decided to start an online business selling beauty products. Kate shares her story how it all started in her garage. It took a lot of time and energy to find someone to come on board with her vision. In 1999, her online business started with two small cosmetic companies, and once it went live, another five brands came on board. Fifteen years later, Adore Beauty sells over 5,000 products across 126 brands and ships 500 to 1,000 orders a day. All this created by Kate, regardless of the resistance she was experiencing from other people around her, saying that no one would buy beauty products online. It was her sheer vision and drive that got her to where she is today. Kate uses experimentation to fail fast and fail cheaply, and has learned that when bringing a team of 50 along for the ride, getting the culture comfortable with failure is vital. Kate is one down-to-earth, inspirational woman So sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Kate Morris. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. I'm very excited. I couldn't wait to have a chat with you. And we were just having a chat a little bit about how you got started. So just for our listeners, um, would you like to go into a little bit about how you started with your business and where you started from? Sure, sure. So I was very young. I was a 21-year-old uni student um, and I'd always been a a bit of a beauty junkie. That was kind of my thing. I would often forego food in order to buy cosmetics. And my part-time uni job was working on the cosmetic counters. And one of the things that I came to discover whenever I told anybody what I did was that they they would sort of pull this face and go, oh, yuck, you know, I hate going in there and these women are so scary and they try and upsell you things and they look askance at your crow's feet and, and oh, I really hate going in there. And, I, and to me that was just a really, I was really disappointed about that because I wanted everybody to get the same enjoyment and the same thrill out of it that I did. Um, but I realised that the shopping experience was kind of making people feel intimidated and disempowered and I thought well that's not right you know some this is obviously an experience that's got to change and um and it was really sort of the very dawn of 
of e-commerce in Australia and there wasn't there was no such thing as an online beauty store and I thought oh gee you know that 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 would be a great idea I'll wait for someone to do that that'd be fantastic and I sort of waited for somebody else to do it and I thought well look maybe maybe I shouldn't wait maybe I should have a crack at it and um so yeah as a 21 year old with uh no money and business experience I started in my garage with um with a loan from my boyfriend's dad that's amazing. And how did you start? Like, what? What did you buy a couple of products, and then did you have your website built? Like, what was the actual process for you? Yeah. Well, I thought, all right, okay, I'm going to need an actual website, so I, I looked up, um, you know, in the yellow pages, basically, to try and find someone that could build me a website. And this was 1999, so there was there were actually not that many companies around that would build e-commerce websites. I think the company that I got that was the first e-commerce website that ever built. So we were all on a on a fun learning journey together, um, and then I thought, right, okay, well, I, you know, I'm getting my website built. I'm going to need some products to put on it, um, and so I contacted all of the cosmetic brands that, you know, in an ideal world, I'd have on my website, and they all said no. So I managed to find two very small ones in the end that would actually take my money, and that was just kind of enough to get it built, um, so that then I could at least, you know, kind of show all of the others, no, no, I'm, I am actually doing it, and it's not. You know, it's not going to be terrible. It's it's going to be a suitable customer experience for, you know, for high-quality products. And, um, yeah, so I started with two brands and then I, when I got it built, I went back to everybody and five more said yes. So then I had seven. And so then I started again with all of the no's. And now how many do you have? Uh, about 165, I think. Wow. That's- yeah, last count. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I, I was just thinking to myself, like when you first start a business, and you hear this quite often, uh, how many no's can you really handle and what what uh, inspires you to push through those no's? It's a funny thing, isn't it? Yeah, how much no can you handle? Um, and I kind of feel that that's really, that's really at the core of who's going to kind of make it as an entrepreneur or not is how much no can you handle. I found my no tolerance is really quite high. So um, lucky for me, <laughs> I guess, I don't know, the thing that helped the thing that helped me is that I was really, I was quite sure that people would want to be able to buy beauty in this way and that the current retail experience was letting customers down. I was 100% sure of that. And so I guess that conviction is what really helped me kind of push on through it. And um, once I started actually getting a few customers and the response that I got from women who would say, oh, wow, this is fantastic, you know, get if you can go and get all these brands, then I'll never have to go into a store again and, and it'll be brilliant. And so for me that was that was really fuel to the fire and I thought, no, I am I am on the right path. It is going to work. And when you're speaking about conviction, that's that belief. And if you don't have that, that's really hard to push through because you know, I'm a little bit like that. I, I, I take no as no, maybe not right now. It's not the right exactly. time. And, exactly. And maybe you've called me at a bad time. So maybe later down the track in a year or two years. And, and for me, when I've gone back, you know, even two, three years later, I might get a yes after receiving maybe three no's prior to that. That's exactly it. I I always like to think of no as, well, this is just the first no and soon we'll work towards the second no and then the third no and then I'll get a, okay, fine, I'll take your meeting and then eventually you get to, oh, actually, yeah, well, if we did it this way, then maybe that could work or at least we can do a trial. Um, So, yeah, everybody says no the first time but um, 
if you press on. So true, so true. And Kate, <laughs> before we got on the show, you were you uh, we were just having a bit of a chat. How you've got a new little one, and uh, and I was asking you like, how do you do it? Because you've got a very successful, huge business, and how do you juggle having a, a little? You've got two little ones. I do. Yes, I have a five month old and a five year old. Wow. So um, yeah, so it's a bit of a gap. At least only one in nappies. Um, oh, look, how do you juggle it? Uh, look, you just you just kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other, you know. <laughs> I think if anybody has this, um, I think, well, yeah, people frequently will have this illusion um, and say, oh, wow, you know, your business is successful and you must be, you know, you must be so good at managing your life. But I'm not really. It's just, you know, it's just kind of chaos behind the scenes and you just have to be a bit flexible and figure out ways to get it done and, do a bit of work when the kids go to bed and um, it, it kind of all goes all, goes along a ride until either the kids get sick or the nanny gets sick and then it just all kind of goes to hell in a, in a handbasket. But uh, you, know, you just you just do the best you can. You just make it work for yourself, don't you? It's, it's one of those things. Even when I had my son, I mean, he's 22 now, but I remember when we had a business and he was uh, a newborn, I, I just took him everywhere with me. He, I had him behind yeah. the counter while he was sleeping. I had him upstairs. Yeah, I just made it work because I had no option. I didn't have anyone to look after him, and um, and yep. yeah, it's just one of those things. You've just got to make it happen, and it's just life. And I find generally people are really quite understanding about it. If you explain why you're, you know, you're doing a phone conference with the UK and you've got a a baby cracking it in the background, <laughs> if you say to people, "Look, can you just sorry, just give me one second. I'll just go and you know sort this out, and I'll be back with you in a couple minutes." Um, people are fine about it. Oh, they are. You just—I mean, it's, it's all part of life, isn't it? And if you set the scene it's right, right from the start, yeah, and you say, just in case you hear a bit of a cry in the background, I've got my son here with me, and they're fine. Yeah, exactly. And look, I—the good thing for me about doing this while I have my own business is, yes, there there is that extra pressure, but it it also means that, well, I'm my own boss and so I get to be a bit flexible as to how I want to set up my working arrangements so at the moment I've got a nanny two days a week and I work with um, my partner in the business and we each pull a half day on the other days and switch over at lunchtime and I I kind of like to think that uh, you know I've got a lot of sort of millennial girls and young women working for me and I think well at least I'm modeling some kind of you know your life does your career doesn't have to end when you have kids you can you can make it work um you know at least I'm showing them that absolutely and I think it's amazing so you do have a a big team with you it's not yeah it's not one of those things you're doing because there's some of the uh, successful entrepreneurs and women that I've spoken to they do it on their own or them and a partner and I just think how do you do it all yeah, well, no, it certainly that was how it started. It was it was just you know me in the garage for for quite a while. Um, but now we've got a team of there's, there's over fifty now. That's amazing. Which is is amazing to me. That's huge. Mm. That's amazing. Mm. So, cat, Kate, cat, Kate, what drives you? <laughs> what makes you jump out of bed in the morning? Look, what I the thing that still really excites me. Um, is the thought of being able to give other women that feeling I get when I put on a new lipstick or when I'm having, you know, when my skin is is all behaving itself and looking really good and, you know, you, you sort of, 
you step out of the house with that bit of a spring in your step going, you know, I can I can handle today because my lipstick looks excellent. And, <laughs> you know, that, that sort of confidence that it gives you, um, being able to give other people that really excites me. And um, that's, that's really honestly what makes my day still is if we get a lovely email from a customer saying, you know what, I was having a terrible week, you know, my partner lost his job or, you know, our dog died or something like that and everything was just going terrible and then I got your parcel and, you know what, I just did feel that little bit better. And, you know, to me that's that's just the best. Oh, it is. I'm sitting here listening to you with a big smile on my face because I love products. I love makeup. I, I love, I wear makeup every single day. I do not leave the house without makeup because it just makes me feel a lot better. It makes yeah. me feel a lot more confident and I love even to me, I give myself an hour to get ready because I like to play with the different color palettes and depending on my mood, uh, what yeah. color lipstick I'm going to wear. Uh, and I agree with you, you know, if you're feeling good, your skin is good and, you know, your makeup, you've got beautiful products. And I like to have that variety. Like if you yeah. came into my bathroom, you would just go, wow, how do you make a decision in the morning with what products that you use? But I just go with my how I'm feeling. Yep. Yep, no, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, I had to actually get a second bathroom cabinet installed when we moved <laughs> into our little house because it was a, sort of a little old Victorian terrace with this like tiny bathroom cabinet. Like, oh, that is not going to cut it at all. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. So, Kate, do you have some of your favourite products? Oh, so many favourites, so many favourites. It's yeah, everybody asks me, they're like, okay, but you know, like, really, what's your favourite? And honestly, it's it's be impossible for me to choose there are a few things that I do come back to and that you know I I kind of think oh you know I really I really couldn't do without that particular one but um Clarence Beauty Flash Balm that's my savior at the moment um whenever I wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and think oh god I look tired which is most mornings (laughs) at the moment what does that do well it's kind of just gives everything a little bit of a zhuzh you know um it it actually, the way it works is it kind of forms like a little film over your skin and just kind of tightens everything up a little bit and gives you a bit of a glow and, and a little bit of extra hydration. So if you're looking a bit haggard, it kind of makes you look like you've had an extra hour or two sleep. Wow, I'm writing this down because, and I'm sure our listeners will too, you'll probably get a boost in sales in just that product. Uh, it's the best. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so do you, I was going to ask you as you're talking about Clarence, when we're using products, do you change your products? Cause what we've, well, we've, we've actually, uh, in the past spoken to other people from, you know, uh, that either make their own skincare products and, and do you, are you under the same belief that products get, you get used to products, your skin after a while gets used to a product, your hair, your makeup, or do you stick to the one product? Um, no, I don't stick to the one product, but that's only because I have a really short attention span when it comes to products and I just get bored of things too easily. Um, look, I think, oh, look, it depends on the product really. Um, generally with skincare, I think if you're using quite, quite strong and active skincare, like if you're using things with sort of high strength vitamin C or retinol, generally you will get better results the longer you use them. And the results will continue to improve. What I think happens is that because your skin gets better over time and you don't see that instant wow, you know, that you got right at the start when you start using it, 
you're kind of tempted to change. But, um, yeah, generally if you're using something with pretty serious ingredients in it, you're actually better to keep using it. Okay. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not a good example because I don't at all. <laughs> no, but it's good advice because it, it, true, it's one of those things that when you do invest in a, a product, you do have – I mean, some do you can ta- actually notice it's your – skin feels nourished and plumped and other times you expect it to you know miracles to happen instantly where like I said it does take time well that's the thing and when you think about it okay if you're using a product that's designed to improve I don't know wrinkles say I mean it's taken you you know 40 years or however long you've been around to get those wrinkles so if you're expecting them to sort of disappear in a week then probably um that's not so much a realistic expectation. So, you know, you, you got to allow a bit of time for things to work. Yeah, so true. Absolutely. So, Kate, with the benefit of hindsight, what would you have done differently in your life or career? You know, it's funny. I actually I, I get asked this all the time and I think it's from people who are sort of wanting to avoid making a mistake themselves. And, I, do you know, I honestly think – I don't really think I would have done anything that much differently mm. because I feel like all of the mistakes I made, I mean, yeah, a lot, oh, so many mistakes. I mean, I did everything wrong. But, you know, it's such it's such a good way to learn and I feel like all of the mistakes you make it end up leading you on the path that you're on and, and I'm pretty happy with where I've got to. So I sort of feel like, well, you know what, maybe that was just maybe that was just the journey. Um, and I'm kind of all right with that. Yeah, I agree. I don't believe in failure. I think failure or mistakes is just feedback, and it's I embrace them because I wouldn't be where I am today without that's exactly those mistakes. It. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Yep. Yeah, and what's the best advice that you've ever been been given? Um, well, look, I I really think it's about following your gut instinct. And even if, even if you feel like, oh, maybe I should take someone else's advice or maybe there's someone who knows more than me about this and I should listen to them rather than listening to my own gut, you know, if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. Um, and I think that that particularly goes when hiring staff um, and sometimes you do find yourself in those positions where someone looks really good on paper and you think, oh, they've got all the skills and they've got all of this, but it just doesn't feel quite right. If it doesn't feel right, it's not right. Just, yeah, trust your, trust your intuition. Mm, and it's, 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 uh, I can relate to that because I think too that sometimes our unconscious bias, uh, you know, is that is that play when you're actually uh, doing an interview, for example, because you may connect with someone, uh, yeah. you might think they're the right fit, but you might have this feeling in your gut, why not too sure? And so how do you go through, you know, um, you know, mind over matter kind of thing? So your mind's saying, oh, look, you know, they look great on paper and they've got the experience, but your gut saying, mm, I don't know. Like how um, do you actually I- distinct between the two and make that decision? Look, if I'm not sure, I will often get a second opinion and usually that's from my partner who works in the business with me, of course, and so we, we really both have to agree um, as we're a pretty good team now and, and we do trust each other's intuition. And so if I'm like, oh, yeah, someone was fantastic, he's like, no, then I'll be like, oh, okay, radio, best to have, best not. But look, I think also too, just, sometimes you just need to sleep on it. You know, sleep on it, give it 24 hours, see how you feel tomorrow. If tomorrow you're sort of going, yeah, you know what, 
I think that person's going to be great. Then go for it. And if it still doesn't feel, if you're still not sure, then it's probably not the right choice. Yeah. I, I like that. I like the fact I mean, my partner is also in, uh, we're in business together as well. And, um, and I said to him actually, the, the, the next time, uh, when we go through these, uh, looking at bringing on more people into our business, you're coming with me because I don't seem to make the right decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. sometimes you just need that sanity check. Yeah. For that, that just sort of second opinion that someone to, you know, give you that extra, even so if it's just to give you that extra confidence in your own, you know, in your own gut. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Kate, how do you manage um, with your business and your partner? Because I know that I remember last time I spoke with um, Michelle Bridges, we were talking about she she actually said to me, oh, dear, you know, how do you manage that and, and what is your strategy moving forward? And I know for us what we do is we have certain times we don't talk about business. We don't talk about business over weekends and uh, we have date nights on a Friday night, for example. So do you have any strategies in place to make this work for yourselves? Um, look, we're, we're very fortunate in that our skills are very complementary. So I'm good at things that he's not, and he's good at things that I'm not. And so in that respect, we've been able to kind of divvy up the business into different areas of responsibility. And so we each have our own jobs and we don't step, step on each other's toes. So I, I find that that works quite well. And, and obviously if he thinks I'm making a wrong decision about something or I think he's making a wrong decision about something then we can we can sit down and talk about it but in the end if it's if it's not my area then it's his call and vice versa if I say no this is this is the way I really want to do it and he'll say okay that's your area and it's your call. Mm, We're pretty much the same. Do Do you find it hard sometimes to separate personal and business do you find sometimes that you can't help but talk about business because you're so passionate about what you do and just like me I love doing for me I get caught up in I love it so much and I can tell that you do you love what you do that it doesn't feel like work so you talk about it all the time but do you find that sometimes there's a real fine line between actually business and personal um there is but you know I guess it comes down to how much you think that's a problem Mm. (laughs) I kind of, I don't really, I I think the idea of work-life balance is a bit of a myth. Yes. And I, and I go more for work-life integration and just say, right, well, this, these are all parts of my life and it all has to kind of work in together and I like my work. And so I guess I don't find it a drag to talk about it or that it, you know, that it somehow ruins the relationship or anything like that. I guess I just I guess I just don't feel that way. So it does mean that we talk about work a lot, but we both also really enjoy our work and get really energized by it. So I guess I kinda of don't see it as a problem. I don't see it a problem at all. I, I think it's, you know, I think if it's something that you love to do and you love to, and I think that sometimes when those creative juices happen, when you have those kind of conversations, you can't say, well, we'll only have those conversations on a Monday because it's our business hours, but sometimes they exactly. But sometimes they happen, yeah. Mm, it's interesting because some, obviously some women that we have spoken and we've had on the show, either it doesn't work for them or it just creates too many uh, problems for them, I guess, uh, business 
this yeah. and personal because there is no, and I agree, there is no such thing as work-life balance. I think that you have to integrate and be flexible. Um, when things happen, you take, you know, you take them as they come and there'll be uh-huh. moments where you take time out. Yeah, and it's the same in the other way too. I mean, you can't sort of necessarily keep family out of work, no. um, you know, because all of a sudden, you you know, your nanny's got gastro and can't come to work and, you know, you, you have to be able to say to all of the people that you had meetings with that day, hey, I have to, I'm sorry, I have to completely rearrange this because, you know, I have to work from home today. It just happens and, uh, you know, you just got to roll with it, don't you? Absolutely, and people are flexible anyway. They're very understanding if that happens. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what's the greatest lesson that you have ever learned? Oh, so many lessons. Um, look, I think the greatest, probably the biggest lesson for me is that feeling afraid is not actually necessarily a negative feeling or a bad thing. And to me, I now, I have I have quite an interesting relationship with fear now. I recognize when I start feeling that, you know, that kind of queasy feeling in the pit of my stomach, I realize that it's because I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone and that that's probably a good thing and it's something that I need to turn around and walk right into rather than trying to run away from. Um, and, yeah, overcoming fear is really one of the great dividers I think between the people who do and the people who don't so true we um I run some groups and we talk about that when fear comes up it's the very thing that you must do if you want to uh move into a different direction whether it's for yourself or for your business and sometimes those things because you know naturally we're uh, creatures of habit and we like things that are comfortable and familiar to us so when we step outside of that it's really about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and that's how you perform better that's how you learn that's how you grow that's exactly it Mm. so what advice would you give your younger self I think, look, with the caveat that I think my younger self, you know, she she did all right. I think <laughs> she, she did really well. She, she, did really she, did, well. she doesn't need too much bossing around. I kind of, you know, I kind of like to cut her a break a bit. But um, I think if anything, uh, you know, maybe tell her to think bigger and rather than I think she got to be very, very good at working within constraints, but I think I would maybe say to her, maybe think about whether there's a way to kind of bust those constraints wide open. Um, working, for instance, I mean, I you know, no money, seriously no money. I had that loan from my boyfriend's dad at the start and that was the only funding that the business had ever had until – we brought on Woolworths as an investor a couple of years ago. That was it. And so I got to be very, very good at growing a business on no money. But I think if I had been maybe a little bit braver than if I'd gone and actually raised some capital or tried to find a way to bust that constraint of not having cash a little earlier, then that might have helped. Well, is it interesting? I'm listening to him thinking you're – big now like it's massive and it's interesting how you you, uh, did you ever imagine you were going to be this big well yes and no yes and no I mean I always was convinced it was going to work but I think if you sort of said to me the specifics you know how you're going to have like a 1600 square meter warehouse and 50 staff 
then I would have, you know, probably freaked out a little bit. Um, <laughs> but that, but that said, no, look, I always, I certainly always planned for it to work and, and it was going to be, it was going to be a big thing, but maybe didn't quite realize how big. So when you're saying that you would, um, tell your younger self to think bigger, what did you, in what way, not obviously you're talking about bigger in business or bigger in mindset or what do you mean by that? No, well, I do think, you know, bigger in business. I was probably at the start, well, look, I, I, I built a door like a small business. I built it starting as a very small business and I made it work with one person and then with two people and then with four people and, you know, paying everybody's wages and growing slowly, slowly. And I didn't, I guess I didn't set out to build a big business. It's a small business that kind of grew into a bigger one. Um but I didn't set out to build a big business and maybe I would have approached things differently if I had. And getting bigger, of course. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, and do you do, you obviously do a lot of traveling with your business? Um, a fair amount, mostly just domestically. Um, and I try not to, I try not to go away for too long at a time because obviously I don't really like being away from the kids too much but yeah it, it's sort of every every week or every other week at this stage I'm you know in Sydney for meetings or somewhere. Mm. So who has been your greatest influence? Um, look I think my my greatest teachers are my my children <laughs> mm. uh, in the you know, in the isn't it? In the, I think it's in the Buddhist sense of of being being a teacher, in that they you know stretch you and frustrate you and 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 really push you out of out of your comfort zone. And I think what they they teach me is that I I have no control really over my world, and <laughs> they they teach me to be very flexible, and you know they demand my attention in inopportune moments when I'm trying to concentrate on something else and I actually think that's really good for me um, to keep me a bit grounded, I guess, and and to constantly remind me that there's more to life than work. So true, isn't it? And in some cultures they say children are a gift because they teach you so much, just like you say, you're saying right now, and that they are there to – because basically they're a reflection and a product of ourselves. And even in my yeah. son now, he's 22, oh, he'll always be my little boy and I say that to him, but you know, he teaches me still so much to, today. Sometimes he'll just go, you know what, Mum, just chill, just relax. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I should just chill out and relax. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you had to pick one word that best describes your personal brand, what would be that one word? Empowerment, I think. Mm, I do like that one. I do see how. Can I ask why you chose empowerment? Because I feel like my, you know, my business is, you know, it's obviously it's kind of my baby and it is a, a reflection of me in many ways and really what it is all about is helping my customers feel empowered, helping them feel like, hey, you know, I'm in charge of this shopping experience and nobody, you know, nobody's going to push me into buying anything I don't like and I'm going to buy the products that make me feel great and I, you know, and that's the that's the new empowered consumer, and that's kind of the retail, the reality of retail. 
so um, true. at the moment and going into the future it's well you know you, the, if we as business people or as retailers think that we're calling the shots anymore we can forget it mm. it's really it's really about embracing that empowerment and that's that's what my whole business journey's been about Mm, I love it. And I have to say that even, not that I have a lot of time to shop really, but when I do, I do like to have um, my own space and my yes. own time. So I think that's mm-hmm. why online shopping too, especially buying products, you do, you don't have somebody trying to sell you three or four other products with your lipstick uh, and you can actually just um, take your time and relax doing it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we have, um, you know, we have live chat on the website, for instance, and I love that as a customer service tool because, like, it's there sitting in the corner of the screen whenever you want it. And if you don't want it, then you can just close it down. But there's somebody sitting there ready to say, hey, you know, I'm buying this lipstick. What blush would go with that? And they're like, sure, hey, I can pick you out some good ones. Here's some links. Go and have a look. But they can't, you know, make you buy anything. They can't hover over you, looking over your shoulder or yeah. making you feel uncomfortable. So it's, you know, it's the best of both worlds, I think. It's a virtual assistant there, right there, just in case you need one. In case you want one and yeah. only when you want one. Yeah. yeah, love it. So what we do, Kate, at the end, as we wrap up the show, we always ask our women of inspiration to leave our listeners with three golden nuggets. So what would uh, be those three golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? All right, very good. Well, I shall pick my three shiniest nuggets for you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> number one would be to always think about your customer first and revolve everything in your business around that. And if you're getting hung up on the competition, then you've you've taken your eye off the ball. Think always about the customer and come back to that every time when you make a decision. Um Number two would be to whenever you're approaching doing something new, obviously to hope for success but also to plan for failure um, in the way that you manage risk. I kind of feel like whenever you're doing anything new, there's a pretty strong chance that it won't work out. So if you have a plan that is a little bit more experimental where you're treating everything as, you know, this is this is not my new venture. This is just a hypothesis, and I'm going to test it out and see if it works. And I find that um, that really mitigates the risk. Um, and number three, it's kind of coming back to that fear thing that we talked about earlier, I guess. But you know, don't wait to feel confident. Um, I talk to a lot of people who say, "Oh, I'm going to I'm going to start my own business," or "Or I'd love to start my own business." And I say, "Okay, well, what's stopping you?" And they talk about, "Oh, you know, I'm going to I've got to do this course first, or I'm going to do this first, and I'm going to do that first. And I said, "Oh, you're waiting to feel confident, <laughs> you know? You confident confidence isn't really a feeling. I don't think confidence is being able to." put one foot in front of the other and actually go ahead and do the thing, regardless of how you feel in your tummy and, and whether or not you feel frightened. Um, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how many courses you do. You're not going to, you know, that feeling of fear in your stomach is not going to go away until you actually go out and do it and prove that you can. Mm, I love it. I love, I even like the first one. You're so right. 
we tend we te- we can tend to be t- uh, our, our focus being taken away by looking at competition rather than focusing on the customers. And actually, not that long ago, I actually wrote an article around there is no such thing as competition, only collaboration, to take away the focus from looking at what other people are doing. Just stick with your customers, even if it's a small amount of customers or lots of customers. The more that you connect with them and find them what they like and what they don't like, this is how you become flexible and change what you need to change so that you're aligned with their needs and you're creating something that's aligned with their needs that's exactly it that's exactly it if all you do is watch your competition then you'll just kind of end up doing the same thing everybody else is doing but a little bit slower Mm. you know you'll never actually get out in front yeah, and, and the other, the last piece too about don't wait to feel confident. I think so many, so many people that do want to go in business, and like you say, they either have to do another course or they have to wait until everything is ready. And yes. it doesn't have to be like for you, for example, what you were just saying, you know, you didn't have a website, but you just started getting a couple of products. You just start. Just do it. Just start. Just get started. And it's not going to be perfect and deal with imperfection because you're going to need to deal with it a lot. Life is not perfect. Just get started. Yeah, Yeah, and it's just looking at when you're launching stuff, you're just testing the waters and you remain flexible. So if it doesn't work, then, like I said, have a backup plan. Exactly. You can go to plan B. So, Kate, you're such a down-to-earth person. I just adore you and adore beauty. (laughs) Uh, So how do our listeners find you? Uh, they can certainly start by logging on to adorebeauty.com.au um, and checking out all the great, great goodies and go and have a chat to some of our makeup artists on live chat because they are super fun. Um, if you want to come and chat to me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Morris underscore Kate. Um, and I'm on Instagram as well. So I'm Kate Adore Beauty on Instagram. Thank you. Come and chat to me. So, so much for your time and being such a down-to-earth woman and very inspirational. So thank you. Really enjoy having you on the show and I'm sure our listeners will absolutely love this. Oh, I hope so. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. No worries. That brings us to the end of the show. If you have any questions, please send us an email to jennifer at iamwomanproject.com.au or Twitter at iamwomanproject and we will get right back to you. If you were listening to this podcast on iTunes, please make sure you leave a review or rating about the show. We would love to hear your thoughts. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next time, please take care. Music.